Grace be to you in peace from God our Father, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. We'll focus our attention today on our first lesson from Ezekiel chapter 37. We pray, Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. As Peter concluded his sermon on the day of Pentecost, he told the crowds, Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Luke tells us the people in the crowd were cut to the heart. They asked, what should we do? What can we do? How could God ever forgive us? Here he sent us that promised Savior that we were looking for, the Messiah, and we not only rejected him, but we called for his execution. What do we do? How could God ever forgive us? They certainly identified with those people to whom Ezekiel was writing, the ones who were taken captives to Babylon, who were saying, our bones are dried up, our hope is lost. We've been completely cut off. God had made clear to the people in Babylon who had been taken captive there through his prophets the reason that those things had happened. They had turned their backs on God. They had trusted in military and political alliances rather than trusting in God. They had worshipped false gods and idols instead of worshipping God. Now they were captives. Now the city of Jerusalem, and even God's temple had been completely destroyed. Their, their hope was gone. How can God keep his promise to send the Messiah when the Messiah is supposed to be a descendant of David and there's no descendant of David on his throne? How can God keep his promise to send the Messiah when it says the Messiah is supposed to come to a temple and the temple's not there? They had hoped for a Messiah. They had hoped for a resurrection from the dead. But now it seemed to them that there was no hope. That their bodies would end up being like those who weren't even buried, just laying out in the open, decaying. Their bones would be bleached by the sun, scattered all over. Their hope was gone. There's another group in Scripture that could identify with those people in Babylon, the people on the day of Pentecost feeling hopeless. It's the disciples. Yeah, Jesus' disciples. Remember that incident when that rich young man came to Jesus? He was a very upright, a very moral person, we would say spiritual person. He claimed that he had kept the second table of God's law ever since he was a little child but he was feeling that he was still missing something. Something was lacking. So Jesus helped him realize what it was. Remember what he told him? Go sell all your possessions, give the money to the poor, and then come and follow me. He couldn't bring himself to do that. And he went away sad. Jesus helped him realize what he was lacking. He helped him realize that, yeah, you might have done pretty well at keeping that second table of the law, but you, you missed the most important commandment, the first commandment. 
you love your possessions more than you love God. Then Jesus made that comment about being easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. At that moment, the disciples identified with those captives in Babylon, with those people on the day of Pentecost who heard Peter's sermon. They were cut to the heart. They were astonished. They said, who then can be saved? See, they too realized that even though they were moral, spiritual people, even though they had left everything to follow Jesus, they still weren't perfect. They still didn't always love God above all things, and they didn't love their neighbor, even their fellow disciples, as they should. How could they be saved? Hopelessness. Despair. Realizing that You've turned your back on the only one who can save you. Realizing that the one true almighty God should punish you for all eternity for your sins. That's what those people on Pentecost felt. God sent the Messiah. We crucified him. We're lost. We're hopeless. That's what the people in Babylon felt. We turned our back on God and now he's completely cut us off. We're hopeless. That's what Paul felt when Jesus appeared to him on the road to Damascus and he had been persecuting Jesus. Hopeless, it's despair. In theological terms, we call that contrition, being cut to the heart. Recognizing that you are hopeless, that there's absolutely nothing that you can do to save yourself, that God should cut you off, send you away from his presence, send you off to eternal punishment because of your sins. As terrible as it sounds, we all need to have that feeling. We all need to be cut to the heart. We need that feeling, we need to recognize those things because if we don't, we won't truly appreciate all the good things that God has done for us. So what did Peter say to those in the crowd who were cut to the heart? Who felt that they had done something so terrible that God could never forgive them. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What did Jesus say to those disciples when they were cut to the heart and realized, how can anyone possibly be saved? No one can be perfect. He said, what is impossible for people is possible with God. What message did God have to those captives who were taken off to Babylon, who were feeling hopeless and cut off from God? Well, he gave Ezekiel a vision, a vision that assured them that they weren't hopeless, that they weren't completely cut off forever from God. He assured them that the Spirit gives 
life. All those bones that God showed Ezekiel in the valley had him walk around among the bones. And they were very, very dry. Bleached by the sun. Not a single bone connected to another bone. There are no skeletons there, like you see a skeleton all connected. No, they're scattered all over the place. God says, can the people to whom these bones belong, can they live again? Can they come back to life? Ezekiel had a good answer. Lord God, you know. Reminds you of that answer that Jesus gave to the disciples with people? Hopeless, impossible. There isn't a single person who can raise someone from the dead by their own power, not a person whose spirit has just left their body, the body is still there, much less someone whose body's been decayed and their bones have been scattered all over. No one can do that. With people, it's impossible. But all things are possible with God. And Ezekiel trusted the power of God. What might have surprised Ezekiel, though, is the way in which God chose to give those dry bones in the valley life. You might have expected God would just give a command from heaven, saying, like, Lazarus, like God, Jesus did at Lazarus' tomb, Lazarus, come out! But God didn't choose to do that. He choose, chose to have Ezekiel preach to them. And he gave Ezekiel the words to speak. Again, we see the faith of Ezekiel. What good could it do to stand in front of a, a valley full of all dried up bones and preach to them? What's that going to do? Ezekiel trusted God. He obeyed. He did what God told him to do, even though it might have seemed worthless, might have seemed a waste of time. And we did preach the words that God had given him to speak to those dry bones. Something amazing happened. The bones began to rattle, they began to move. One bone connected to another bone. And not just any bone. Each of those bones connected back to exactly the right place and exactly the right person. Then flesh came on them and skin covered them. Those bodies that had decayed were now restored. But there was one problem. They still didn't have life. There was no breath of life in them, no spirit in the bodies. So God tells Ezekiel again, preach. This time preach to the wind, preach to the breath. Ezekiel again obeys the word of the Lord. He preaches to the breath, preaches to the wind, and the breath of life enters into those bodies that had been put back together, and they came to life. The Spirit gave them life. It really reminds you of the sixth day of creation when you think about it. What did God do? He formed a body, but it didn't have life yet until he breathed into the nostrils of Adam and then breathed into Eve the breath of life. The whole point of the vision 
was to assure the captives who were in Babylon that there still was hope. They weren't hopeless. They weren't cut off from God forever. Two times, you might have noticed, he addressed them as my people. Yeah, you're here because you turned your back on me. You were unfaithful. But he still calls them my people. He assures them that even if they were, like they were feeling, like were dry bones out in the valley, just scattered everywhere, bleached by the sun, didn't matter. He could still put them back together. He could still give them life. He's assuring them that his promise of the Messiah isn't gone, even though humanly speaking it looks like it is. There's no king in David's line ruling. There's no temple. But the promise is still good, God says. And I'll prove it to you. I'll prove it to you by bringing you from Babylon back to the soil of Israel. When you see that happen, then you'll know that what I promise, I always do, no matter how impossible it might seem to you. Like Ezekiel, we might be surprised at the way in which God gives us life, people who are born into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We might expect him to just boom his voice out from heaven and call us to faith, but he doesn't do it that way. He chooses to use people like Ezekiel, people like Peter and the apostles, people like you and me, people who know what it is to feel hopeless because of our sins and who know what it is to be comforted with the forgiveness of our sins through the gospel. He chooses to have people proclaim his powerful, life-giving message that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. To proclaim the good news, that when Jesus came into the world, he did what we can't do. He lived perfectly under God's law in our place. He went to the cross and he suffered the punishment that we deserve for our sins. God raised him from the dead on the third day. He is that Messiah that God promised. In him, every sin is forgiven. There's nothing left for us to do. It's all been done for us. And he even provides a special assurance of our forgiveness in the sacrament of baptism, which Peter reminds us is for the forgiveness of your sins. And in his epistle, Peter says, baptism saves you realize that you are hopeless, if you realize that you can't save yourself, call in the name of the Lord. Call on Jesus. As Peter says, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Ezekiel's vision reminds us that still today the Spirit of God gives us life through the proclamation of the word. He gives life, first of all, by having his law proclaimed, having us cut to the heart, having us recognize our helplessness, our inability to save ourselves. And then he proclaims the wonderful, life-giving gospel, your sins are forgiven because of Jesus. No matter what's happened to a person's body, Ezekiel's vision reminds us what God can and will do on the last day. No matter where your bones are, no matter what 
the dust of your body where that might be scattered. When Jesus comes again, he will boom out his voice and say, come out. And everybody will come out of their graves. Everybody put back together. Every spirit returned to their own bodies. And those who have experienced the first resurrection, being brought from spiritual death to life, being brought to faith in Jesus, will get to experience a wonderful second resurrection. The ability to live with Jesus in the place that he's prepared for us forever. Whenever you look around the world and are tempted to think, kind of hopeless. Whenever you look in the mirror and tend to think, God should just cut me off forever because of my sins. Remember what's impossible for people is possible with God. He gives us a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus. He gives us life now and life forever when the Holy Spirit works in our hearts through the gospel in word and sacrament. Amen. And the peace of